Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO, free impartial advice on all your debt. This is Coogan Cassis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted as always to be joined by Mr. Edward Hearn, star, author, promoter. Is there anything you fucking can't stop. do, mate? No, stop. No, seriously. I, no. Now, is there anything you can't do? Seriously, mate. Um, it's, it's limited, mate, to be honest with you. It's limited. Oh yeah, I, I'm, I can't like I'm, I can't do yoga. Oh, so you're or, not that good at life, are you? No, I mean I'm zero flexibility. That's one thing I'm all for. It. Fair play. I've got a quick question. You're in the bubble, son. I'm in the bubble. I'm, I, I love bubble life. It's an early one, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, do you know Christmas is coming up? Yeah. Yeah, mate. Who decorates your tree at home? Um, actually, a family friend. Uh, what? You get, someone, friend. you get someone in outside to? Yeah, no. It's, I'll, I'll give I'll give him a shout out. It's a lady called Faye Pierce. Um, she decorates. She's a friend friend of ours. She has a company that specialises in uh, Christmas trees and decorations at home. And um, yeah, we we use her actually. So who has input about what goes where? Well, fucking not me. What do you think? No, I don't know. I just wondered. I come home one day and it looks like fucking Macy's in New York. I mean, it's like about eight, eight, eight trees in the house. Every a tree in every different room. Are you joking? No. You've got no. a tree in all rooms? Uh, not all rooms, but my kids' room, in our room, in, you know, yeah. Like, we go to town. Like, that is... It's big in our house. It's big in our house. And especially this year, because it's been so shit and there's not been a lot to celebrate. I think this year she's going to do some damage. <laughs> oh, okay. It'd oh. be one of these. Oh, uh, here's the bill for the uh, the Christmas trees. Oh, the fucking hell. Be one of them. So, but yeah. Anyone that has. When's your um, baby due? February. All oh, right, okay. You listen. You you'll understand. It's like it's mega for the kids. Mega. Well, the only reason I ask because my missus has done a fortune, probably not a Hearn fortune, but a fortune on Christmas decorations. I think this year the Christmas decoration market is going to be big mm. because everyone is saying. I mean, I've already had the conversation. I think it was like normally when do you get it in? December the like middle of December. I mean, I've actually been putting it off now since I think October, you know, to get, oh, we should get, because obviously, you know, should we get the decorations in? So I think ours are, where are we, November 20th coming up? I don't think we're too far away. Oh, I think I'm going to make the drive home and all of a sudden, like I said, the electricity bill's gone up four times. Oh, it'd be nice to see a picture of that when it's done. From, yeah, uh, definitely send you um, Yeah, just... Recap from the weekend, a little recap from the weekend before we start first. Um, yeah, obviously, Katie Taylor 
hugely impressive. Realistically now for Katie Taylor, what is going to be her next fight? Um, I don't know, I think. It's an honest question. I mean, she uh, that was a WBA mandatory. She's got other mandatories as well. No, no disrespect to the other mandatories. I mean, Gutierrez was tough, but, you know, she wants to be in big fights. And I think when you look at it, the obvious next fight is the winner of McCaskill Breakhouse, the undisputed welterweight championship. I'd love to see her become a two-weight undisputed champion. Um, the Serrano fight still lingers on. The, the Cyborg fight is still a huge fight to make. You've got Brits, you've got Chantel Cameron. She's going to unify in her next fight, probably in January. I think that's a big fight for 2021. The Tasha Jonas could be a big fight for 2021. You could see Terry Harper moving up for 2021. Um, not that I haven't thought about who's next, but there was quite a lot of options. And um, she's just the biggest fights out there, to be honest with you. The ones that excite her. You know, Serrano fight will always excite, but it's just, you know, I just that you, you don't know whether they actually want the fight. We've tried and tried. Um, maybe we'll revisit it and see if we can get that one, mate. And Rachel Ball, who obviously in fight camp at your house, she was an opponent for someone. Then, then yeah. she was on the verge of fighting for a full world title. She fought for the interim title in the end, but she's had a, a whirlwind few months as well. Really good and lo lovely girl as well. Great fighter, great story. Um, it was a real mission last week. Sometimes people don't get to see what goes on behind the scenes, you know, in terms of making fights. So, you know, Gianni, who's the world super flyweight champion, came in, was overweight on her check weigh. The board wouldn't allow her to weigh less than 126 pounds, I think. So she had to come in at 126 pounds. I think she came in at 125 something. And Rachel Ball had to weigh 122. The fight was made at 118. We had to obviously lose the WBA bantamweight title and make the interim WBC super bantamweight title. But the key was to get her fighting and give her the opportunity. So she's done really well. Look, the two fights out there for her are Ebony Bridges and Shannon Courtney. Uh, Ebony Bridges might not be ready in time for the start of next year. And if that's the case, if Shannon wins on December 4th, I would like to make that fight for the WBA bantamweight title, which is, you know, obviously still up for grabs. Mm. And likely to, like the first part of the year for that? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I'd like to see her box probably early February. Okay. Um... Did you watch Kell Brook and Crawford, Eddie? I woke up to it. I got home from Wembley and I think it was about two o'clock in the morning. And I thought to myself, I'd, you know, I'd like to watch this fight, but I conked out. And then, you know, you wake up and you was expecting them to be, still be awake and you wonder what time it is. And I turned over and I just got my phone and I had some WhatsApps that I read who kind of told me the result. And then I went on to um, top-ranked social media and just watched the clips of, of the fight. Mm. And what did you think of what you saw? Um, I thought I saw, you know, a pound-for-pound pound top fighter in, in Terence Crawford. I thought Kel was boxing nice for a few rounds. Uh, he was obviously in great shape. He put everything into the fight um, just for a number of reasons. He just, you know, he, he couldn't beat someone like Terence Crawford. And it's not that he's not a great fighter. It's just that, you know, like I said, there are many reasons why 
he, he couldn't win that fight, but he gave himself every chance to do it, got himself in tremendous shape. And yeah, it's no disgrace losing to a fighter as good as Terence Crawford. Which comes on to Terence Crawford. After Bob Arum's comments from the weekend regarding Terence Crawford, um, I suppose it's just a no-brainer that someone like you would be hovering around that situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd be an idiot not to, really. I mean, I mean Bob Arum is just the funniest geezer you've ever met. I mean, who... You, know, you have to almost like him for the fact... I mean, he's so on, so brutally honest. I mean, to stand up there on that platform on ESPN and basically say, this guy's costing me a load of money, I don't know if I want to spend it anymore. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. That's the moment you should be championing your guy. Whether you think the guy's making too much money, whether he's costing you too much, whether you're losing money on him, at that point... As far as I'm concerned, you have to talk about him as if he's God, right? Because, you know, the fact that you're saying this guy's too expensive and you're losing money basically means this guy doesn't have the commercial worth that you need and therefore it's difficult for you to land the big fights. You know, what he said was true, but for me, it's not something that I would have done, especially with my fire standing there on the right of me, you know? But I think Bob's at the end of his tether. There's obviously a, a poor relationship there now between Terence Crawford and Top Rank. You know, Terence Crawford's been pushing the buttons on the numbers. Bob Aram's not wanting to pay it. And he's probably reluctantly given him those last two paydays against Amir Khan and Kel Brook. But it, well, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe the interview. You know, and, and I think to say that means the relationship's over, to be honest with you. Like, whether... They'll carry on working together. That's all about the business. But the relationship is over. So, I mean, from your perspective, it would be a case of if he become a free agent, then you would obviously show some interest, clearly. Yeah, I mean, it's no secret that Percy's have escalated out of control. Of course, that's going to balance off. But I think, you know, through the pandemic now, promoters, particularly broadcasters, want more bang for their buck. So you're going to see the fighters that maybe aren't delivering the numbers have to have a little bit of a reality check and say, you can't keep paying that kind of money because the numbers are wrong. And you know what I've said, I've said a number of times, you may, you may see, I mean, I said even with us, you may see us lose fighters and you might see other people lose fighters because there comes a point where you have to say, you just can't do it anymore, especially in this environment. And I think that's really what Bob meant. And I've seen some other comments from him today, which is like, look, if, if it don't make sense and we can't do it anymore, I wish you all the best, you know? Um, so yeah, it was interesting. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, look, I've started doing that a lot lately. Look, so, so I go, look, so I'm going to try and stop doing that, just let you know. There's only one fight. It's the Errol Spence fight. It's, the be it's one of the best fights in boxing. So for me, I want to see that fight. That's, that's the kind of fight that can rejuvenate the sport. I'm not saying it's the biggest fight in the world to the casual fans. It's really not. But for boxing, it's really important, I think. Um, and I genuinely think that Errol Spence, and particularly Terence Crawford, see, Terence Crawford, when, when you, Bob was saying, you know, oh, 
you know, the guy's got to do more, you've got to do more. Really, as a promoter, it's your job to work with what you've got, right? And, and let's look at what you've got in Terence Crawford. You've got a three-weight world champion. You've got a pound-for-pound pound great fighter. You've got a guy who is basically a god in Omaha. You've got a really funny, really articulate individual. You've got a guy with an incredible boxing IQ who can read fights and understand fights, probably a bit of a boxing historian as well. You've got a guy who is a really good family man, a role model, and lives the right life for boxing. You know, So when you've got all those attributes, you've really got a great fighter. You've got a great product. So you can't just turn around and say, oh, uh, you know, you've got to do more. Yeah, has he got to do more media? Yeah, probably. But that's your job as a promoter to have that relationship with him to, to make him understand that. But you can't turn around and go, oh, this guy's not really worth it because he's a great fighter. But I don't feel that, I don't know, for one reason or the other, he just hasn't resonated with the US public. But he should do because he's an unbelievable fighter. And, you know, I've, I mean, I've met him a dozen times. I don't know where he did. He boxed Ricky Burns on our show. You've met him before, haven't you? I think he's really funny. You know, I think he's got a great personality. He wasn't then. He was very quiet in that build-up to that fight. The Brook fight or Ricky no, Burns? No, the Ricky Burns fight. The Ricky Burns fight. He was a puppy, wasn't he? Mm. You know, and he was hilarious because I still wind him up because he came over to Glasgow with about 40 people. And basically, I think he got five or six rooms uh, as part of his deal. And I think there was about 90 people in each room. And um, the, the room service bills were out of control. And I still wind him up about it to this day. You know, um, so I think, listen, I, lo I love Terence Crawford. I think he's great. Um, you know, when you talk about would you be interested in signing him, we may have the, the same problem as top rank. You know, ultimately... You're, when you're doing fights like Kel Brook and Amir Khan, all you're ever going to do if you're top rank is lose money. So unless you can deliver him Pacquiao in the Middle East or the Spence fight on pay-per-view, and could I deliver those fights? I don't know. So, and if I couldn't deliver those fights, do I want to take the position of top rank of, of losing money? You know, in fights that you... Because it's a bit like... When people, when someone's so good and it's so difficult to get in the big fights, you do start losing money and hemorrhaging money. I mean, Demetrius Andre is a good example, right? You know, of course, we're, gonna, we're losing money on Demetrius Andre because he's that good. It's very difficult to get in the fights. So I have to try and find him a way in 2021 to get him Golovkin, to get him Mungia, to get him Charlo. One, because he needs to do it to define his legacy. But two, it's the only way we can get him out there and make him a pound-for-pound pound great by proving himself in those big fights. And that's the same with Terence Crawford. He has to get in those big fights. And the, the danger is, and this goes for Demetrius as well, that those big fights pass you by. This is their prime. We must deliver now. And, and top rank must deliver for Terence Crawford. And, and if not, someone else must do. But maybe, maybe we couldn't do it. I mean, you know, top rank are a very good company you know 
So they can't deliver for him. So could I? I don't. I don't know. Maybe not. Would you say that Crawford is pound for pound number one at the moment, or not? No, it's Canelo Alvarez because Terence just doesn't have the resume. He doesn't. He may have the ability to be a pound for pound number one, but he doesn't have the resume. But he's certainly pound for pound top five. Listen, he may be pound for pound number one. I think he beats Errol Spence. I mean, look, we, we don't know how Errol Spence is going to come back. Been out a long time after the crash. But the, the difference is, with Terence Crawford, he lives the life, mate. Very nice man. We'll see how that pans out. Um, Dave Allen. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, just talk to me kind of the, the lead up between the whole bit of a fiasco with the whole Lovejoy situation a so, couple of weeks ago to, to now I, or the other day. This has been going on for a couple of months now, really. And, you know, obviously he posted the video of him sparring Usyk. Um, he called me after that spa and basically said, you know, I'm not sure about my future. You know, I've got buzz today in sparring and, you know, it... it I think it scared him probably a little bit because he was obviously hurt in that situation. And I think he, he thought that he was actually knocked out. But when he saw the video back, it didn't look as bad as he thought it was. But I think the, the whole episode sort of just shocked him a little bit. So, you know, I told him, he called me straight after and I told him just look, calm down. And then I spoke to Usyk's guys and I said, please, can you go and check on Dave Allen? And if he needs to, be flown home, just let's just work it out. And after a while, he was fine. He was fine. He came down and he, he uh, came back, sparred um, back home. And obviously, we, we got in the Lovejoy fight. But when we were looking to match him, I mean, obviously, he was going to fight Christian Hammer at first, which was quite a tough fight. I could tell that his confidence was going to be, you know, like he wanted to fight Lovejoy because he believed that Lovejoy was bang average, right, which is yet to be uh, discovered. And then when that fell through, he didn't really want to fight any other replacement that night of any note. And then when we were matching him for this week, and, and he won't mind me telling you any of this, you know, because it's the truth. He just, you know, we were putting forward guys who he would be dealing with comfortably. But I just felt that he didn't have the confidence anymore. And when I spoke to him more deeply about it, he just turned around to me and said, look, I don't really want to get punched in the head anymore. And I think he was concerned that he might not be as tough and durable as he once was. And when he said that to me, you know, I don't want to get punched anymore. I just thought, you've got, you've got to stop, you know, and he, he, we just had a moment on the phone where I think he realised through what we were talking about that he needed to think about his position. Dave's a very intellectual guy. You know, he, he's, he's not stupid. So he texted me, he said, listen, I'm going to speak to my sister. I think I need to have a think about what I'm going to do. And, you know, and then he messaged me the next morning. I said, look, sleep on it, see how you feel. And he messaged me the next morning, he said, Saturday morning, and said, I've, I've talked to her about it. Um, I'm going to pack it in. I just don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to get punched anymore. You know, once you lose that, 
the thing that made Dave Allen the fighter that he was, and I know he never, you know, went on to challenge for world heavyweight titles, was he's tremendously tough, you know, tremendously durable. And I think he's lost that because he doesn't want to do it anymore. And when you don't want to do anything, you should always stop. But you should always stop if that involves boxing. Because this is the tough sport in the world. And in heavyweight boxing, if you don't want to get in there, if you don't want to take the shot, if you're not willing to bite down the gum shield and grind it out, you, you just can't do it. And I think the way he was with, with the mentality he was, I think he would have got hurt. You know, and certainly against the top, you know, I think the David Price fight really took, you know, the soul away from him. I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, he, he sort of got stretched out of the ring that night. And I think he, I think it scared him. I do. And, and Dave, again, I know Dave gives the impression that he's this, uh, you know, crazy, jokey guy. But Dave, Dave's a deep thinker, you know, and he's also very bright. And he was able to talk to himself and have an honest conversation. And that's when you can stop at the right time, when you can do that and have that honest conversation. You know, you can bluff yourself. Oh, yeah, just get a few more paydays. I mean, listen, he could have boxed this Saturday. I could have found him someone to beat. Then we could have stepped up and he could have boxed someone a lot more dangerous for, for good money. But he may have got hurt. And we all have to take responsibility to, you know, speak to these fighters and help them make the right decisions because... Some fighters don't think, think as deeply as Dave. Some fighters aren't as intelligent as Dave and can have that conversation with themselves. And some go on for too long. And it can be extremely damaging in later life. So, you know, I think that he's left, uh, whilst he's probably left some opportunities and some money on the table, he walks away with his health and his happiness. You know, he texted me the, the day after when he'd made his decision. He said, I've had the, I've had, I'm happier today than I've been for ages. Because he worries about fights and he thinks about fights. And he's always, you know, whenever there's a fight date, he texts me 20 times a day. What about this guy? Oh, I don't know about it. He, he drives himself crazy. So I kind of feel like he's been cut free, you know? And now he has to find and follow another passion in life, which will be around boxing. I mean, he's already asked me for 62 jobs. He wants to be a matchmaker. I think he wants to be the commentator. I think he wants, you know... So, and, and I'm sure we'll work with Dave and I'm sure broadcasters will work with Dave because he's, you know, he's a very popular, bright individual. But he doesn't have to worry about fighting anymore. You know, that's been taken away. And, and once you lose the passion in this sport and you lose the hunger, and once you, you admit to yourself, you just do not want to get punched anymore for a living, you have to stop. And he stopped at the right time. Hypothetically, Edward, after like, say, a year, if he phoned you back up, would you, what would you, how would you approach that situation? Well, the only way he would do that is if he needed the money. You know, I mean, look, he's made a lot of money in his career. Um, I believe he's bought some properties and stuff like that. And, you know, this was at a time where, listen, our people don't realise Dave Allen popped up on the scene to me, I mean, I knew, knew about him and I think I put him on a show once. Someone asked me to put him on in Sheffield. And I think he approached me or someone did, I think his manager at the time, to fight Dillian White. He was going to fight for the British title, but ended up being an eliminator, I think. So we made him an offer. He was just an opponent, didn't really know anything about him. He took that offer. He boxed Dillian White. Um, money was all right. Nothing special, but Dillian White was not... 
know, I think, I think, I think Dillian White made the same money as Dave Allen that night. Then Luis Ortiz come over, but Dave Allen went the distance with, uh, again, with Dillian White. You know, never really looked like he was going to beat him, but did all right in the fight. So then Luis Ortiz came over and we were going to put him in an eight rounder. And I thought, well, Dillian White, you know, Dave Allen's just gone 10 rounds with Dillian White, spoke to the manager, made him an offer. The money was pretty shit, to be honest with you, but it was way down the card, but it was shit money to fight uh, Luis Ortiz. But the budget was what the budget was. Um, he accepted it and he, he boxed that night. And I went back into the changing room after that fight and he cut his tongue down the side. And I remember walking in the change room and he went to me, can you get me some easier fights now? You know, he could hardly talk with his tongue. And that was really the first time I got to see him and talk to him properly. And I thought, Do you know what? This kid needs a bit of a break. He's fought Dillian White. He's fought Lewis Ortiz. Let's, let's bring him back. So we brought him back. I mean, we always got criticised, particularly by fighters and people in the boxing world that we always gave Dave Allen too many opportunities. But I liked him. You know, I liked him. People liked him. You can't help but have a soft spot for him. And I wanted to try and help him. You know, and as such, I mean, actually, it's just quite interesting. I'm sure I'm going to pull up his um, box rec because I want to remember... So he boxed, this is quite interesting, yeah. So he boxed Luis Ortiz, right? Nearly went the distance, got stopped in the seventh round. And then he went to me, can you do me a favor? Can you bring me back? Like, can I have an easy fight? So I brought him back, I think it was in Hull. And he boxed Lucas Razulisk, right? It was absolutely dreadful. Sorry, Lucas. And he knocked him out in the first round, right? And he loved it. He couldn't believe it. You know, he's like, oh. And then he said, can I have another one of them? So then I put him in with David Howe. That was actually on a pay-per-view show, I think. And he knocked him out in the second round. And it actually looked quite good in that fight. And I thought, actually, like, Dave can fight. So then I thought to myself, what I'll do is, I'm going to give Dave Allen the opportunity of a lifetime. I'm going to put him in with Lemroy Thomas on the Kelbrook Errol Spence card at Bramall Lane, right? A kid from Sheffield. And I just, I thought it would be a good fit for the show, but I thought it made me feel good to give Dave that opportunity. And I walk, I'll never forget, he walked out that night to field the goals at Bramall Lane. And he was like, he was nearly in tears. And he boxed shit against Lemroy Thomas. Shit. In fact, that's probably one of the big regrets from Dave. He should have won that night. He could have won. But he boxed shit against Lemroy Thomas. He came back to the change rooms. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, and I thought to myself, I can't believe you've wasted that opportunity. So after that, he went out and I think he wanted to get another fight. I said, listen, I'll put you in another fight, but it's a big fight. And, you know, after that performance. So he went and boxed Tom Dallas at the Brentwood Centre. Remember, I think he accidentally knocked him out. I think he wanted to do some rounds and ended up chinning Tom Dallas. And then I thought, I'll give him the rematch against Lemroy Thomas on a Kell Brookshire at Sheffield Arena. I paid Lemroy Thomas. I had to pay him a load of money to come over. But I wanted Dave Allen. I, I fell back in love and I wanted him to win the Commonwealth heavyweight title. He trained his nuts off for that fight. He really did. And they clashed heads in the second round. 
and it was a no contest. No, in the first round, they clashed heads. First round. And I was gutted because it cost me a fortune. Then he went away and he, and then after that, he went, I think he went off the, off the boil a little bit and he, yeah. And he went and got himself a fight against David Howe again. And then, then he sort of realized, I just want money to be honest with you. And I think he went through a little bit of a down patch and, you know, didn't train a lot. Then he got offered the Tony Yoka fight. And he went over there, and I think that was that was also a fight that didn't scare him, but he said, you know, Yoka could really punch. And he, he got stopped in that fight, uh, again, in the 10th round. And then he'd come back, and I felt, I sort of fell in love with him again, felt a bit sorry for him. I gave him the Nick Webb fight at the O2, which is probably my favourite night, really. And he beat him. And then I thought to myself, do you know what? Let's go on a little bit of a run here with Dave Allen. So, but then he sort of, he, with Dave, it was either I want a load of money for a risky fight or I want someone who's bang average for average money. And he, he loved those fights because he just loved winning and he loved boxing. So then I put him in with Samir Nebo, right? Remember, in Newcastle, knocked him out in, in a round. That was an easy job. Then I put him in with Bracamonte. Do you remember, right? Well, Dave Allen, I think he trained once and I... I I just said, well, you've got to fight if you want in a couple of weeks. Put you in with this guy who was eight and one, I think, at the time, but average. Well, it turns out, he only told me after. I don't think he trained one day. He ended up having an absolute war with Bracamonte. It should have just been a one-round, two-round job, but it was a war. And then I probably did something that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have done for anyone else in that position, but I let him headline the O2 against Lucas Brown, you know. And he ended up knocking him out in the third round, which was just another great night. And that was like, he won't mind me saying it. I never looked at Dave Allen and went after that night, I thought, God, you could really go on from here. And, you know, I just thought, what a great, what a great moment for you. You know, who would have thought it? Because I, I actually get a buzz off things like that. It's a bit like women's boxing, where people said to me, no, you can't do that. Well, you get it and you think, you said it couldn't be done. And that was the same thing with Dave Allen. I just thought it was almost funny that he was headlining the O2. But people people enjoyed it and people loved him. Then he boxed David Price, paid him a lot of money for that fight. And that was his that was his chance, really, to, to win there. But again, he put everything into that fight with Darren Barker. You know, he, he trained well, same with the Lucas Brown fight. But he got beaten by the better fighter. And then he went and knocked out Dorian Darch in three rounds on the, the Sheffield Arena Brook. And that was all she wrote. He finished with a win. 18, 5 and 2. And I think actually, to be honest with you, I mean, I remember watching him. Let's bring this one up here. Oh, Jason Gavin. I gave him the Jason Gavin fight, actually. Ed? Hello? Yeah, you're back now, yeah? Yeah, go on. I remember watching him against Fabrice Auron, right, at Sheffield Arena. And I think he was with Dennis Hobson at the time, and I was asked to put him on. And I thought, it's good, you know, young heavyweight from Sheffield. He was useless that night, Dave Allen. Useless. And I remember watching him going, fucking hell, what's he doing? 
And I never would have thought that three years later, no, five years later, we would have done what we've done. And listen, good luck to him. And that is the Dave Allen story. Trip down memory. I know you're a big fan. Yeah. I think you should give him a job with IFL, to be fair, as well. Well, I've tried. Have you? Okay. <laughs> um, but, but just finishing off on that, just by the sounds of it, it's probably best for the reasons why Dave Allen's talking about retiring, that he probably stays retired. So, you know... Yeah. I'm not, can't as I said that. before I went into that 10-minute... Uh, yeah, they asked if he wanted to work, would do work oh, no. again. And the answer is, if he fights again, it'll just purely be for the money, and therefore he shouldn't do it, because you can't, you can't be a part of this sport just to take the money against the heavyweights. It's too dangerous. Okay. Um, so, I've just read some comments before I got onto this Zoom call from Deontay Wilder again, uh, saying that if he doesn't fight Tyson Fury, he wants to fight Dillian White. Well, that's convenient of him. I mean, Dillian White's only wanted boxing for 10 years. You know what I mean? So, I think... Listen, I think uh, Dillian White has got the fight of his life against Alexander Povetkin first. Do you know what's weird? I saw that list as well. He didn't mention AJ, did he? No, so it was Ruiz, Parker, Hellenius, Usek and Dillian, I think. Yeah. I mean, you've got the world heavyweight champion, the unified world heavyweight champion, Anthony Joshua, and he still don't want to fight him. Anyway, we'll move on from that. Um... Dillian White against Deontay Wilder is a is a really big fight, but Dillian's got you know bigger fish to fry at the moment. He's got to try and beat Alexander Povetkin, and then he wants to fight for the world title. Um, Deontay Wilder's going to get the shock of his life when he when he sees the offer to fight um, Robert Hellenius. I mean, he turned down. I mean, I won't embarrass him with the offer that Dazone made. But if he would have lost the Tyson Fury fight or the AJ fight, he probably would have been making 15 times what he's going to get for fighting the Robert Hellenius. Or my bit. That's the strange name on the list, isn't it? Robert Hellenius. No well, disrespect to well, Hellenius. Always look out for the strange name on the list. Always look out for the strange name on the list. And then go, that's the one he's fighting. Okay. A little bit of tips for you. All right. Listen, um, I, I do it sometimes. Hands up. Well, you, you, you list a load of like... Good ones. And then you chuck in a whatever. Just <laughs> see the game. I've done it before. I won't lie. But, I mean, theoretically, Eddie, would, would it be difficult to even make that fight with Wilder's lot or not or what? Listen, who knows? I mean, blimey. They wouldn't even pick up the phone to me to make an anti-Joshua fight. I was in New York asking for meetings and they wouldn't even have a meeting with me to make the anti-Joshua Deontay Wilder fight. So I guess their position's changed now. That was a position of arrogance uh, and now they're in a position of need. You know, they need, they need an opponent. They need money. They need an offer. They need something. But I'm just, I don't know what's happening with the Fury stuff. You know, I mean, I saw comments... Yesterday, um, from Frank Warren, basically saying we couldn't find the money to get Tyson Fury out this year. You know, I mean, that's a that's a horrendous look because your A-star fighter 
you have to you have to find a way to get them out you know but now i think the courts are at meeting are they or a couple of weeks to decide whether he has to honor the rematch or not is that right by the sounds of things by the sounds of it yeah from aram's comments aram saying well we're very confident of our position but i hope they are because I ain't, we're not waiting for Fury to fight in March. If AJ beats Pulev, that's the, that that fight is our May fight or June fight, the latest. So we want to just, I mean, Aram says he thinks Pulev's going to knock AJ out and it won't be a problem. But he said if AJ beats Pulev, we'll go straight into that fight. Well, I hope so, because we can't wait around. So just hold your horses till December 12th. That's the key date in the heavyweight calendar. Because if AJ can beat Pulev, we want to make that fight immediately for the late spring, early summer of 2021. But if Fury, basically, Fury's not going to fight then in like February, March, pending a Joshua fight waiting there for that sort of time you're talking then, is he? Or does that just... I don't understand. Repeat the question. So if Fury... Yeah. I think Aram said that Fury possibly could be fighting in like February. Yeah, no, we don't want him to do that. He can't, you know, we, we don't want to wait around for him to have another interim fight. The, the path was very clear. He was fighting on December 5th. He told everyone he was fighting, no matter what, blah, blah, blah. And we're fighting on December 12th. And then we're fighting each other. So it's not, okay, well, we'll, um, we'll, fight on December 12th, as we planned, as we promised, and then you fight in March, and then we see what happens. We've got the Usyk situation to sort out. As soon as we finish our fight, Usyk will be saying, I'm mandatory now. Come on, WBO, let's go. So straight after our fight, we need to know, do you want that fight next or not? And the answer has to be yes. If they do decide to, to fight Fury in February, where do, what will AJ do then? Will right. he fight Usyk? Yeah. Well, we do, you know, that's fine. If that's, but we want the Fury fight. I can't make it any clearer. It's the only fight that AJ wants if he beats Pulev is Tyson Fury. So, and Bob's right. Bob, Bob, you know, he said, look, we'll just hold fire. Wait, what are we, three weeks away from that fight? Let that fight happen. If AJ gets the win, bang, let's just get it on. So really, everything until the 12th of December is just... 12th of December is the night. It's judgment night. You've added two heavyweight fights to that card. Mm. Uh, Huey Fury against Maris Wack and also uh, Kuzmin against Bacoli. Mm. Talk to me. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's already a cracking card. We've got about another three or four fights to add to the card as well. Um, I'll be honest with you, mate. We ain't fucking about. You know, other people are struggling to even put one fight on. Already on that card, the first four fights, AJ against Pulev, Akoli against Glowacki for the World Cruiserweight title, Bacoli against Kuzmin, great heavyweight fight, Huey Fury against Marius Wack, good heavyweight fight, tough fight for Huey Fury, and three or four more, four more to come. We're absolutely going for it, mate. We're going for it. Week on week, Taylor last week, Connor Ben this week, Billy Joe Saunders coming up, you know, Danny Jacobs against Rosado, JJ against Pulev with a big, big card. We're going for it, mate. Are you putting any more heavyweights on that Joshua card? Maybe one. Okay. Um, your card for the 4th of December. Who else yeah. is on that? Because you've not really announced anything on that. So we'll be announcing that shortly.
shortly. Um, we're trying to land a big fight for James Tennyson, which is a world title eliminator for the WBA lightweight title. Shannon Courtney will return to that card. Zach Parker will fight on that card. Um, Johnny Fisher may debut on that card. We're just waiting for his team to tie up everything with a board. Um, who else? Uh, Chris Congo might box on that card. And Zelfa Barrett might box on that card as well. We're just trying to tie up the schedule and find the right opponents, which is difficult at the moment. Um, Florian Marco have been very vocal yeah. to you, as he is always. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, I've, you know, we, we don't have a, a relationship. Obviously, Sam Jones has been talking about Florian Marco to me for a long, long time. And I watched him the other night on, was it called uh, Ultimate Boxer? Is it's it, just called Boxer now. Called? I think they've what? dropped the ultimate bit. It's just called Boxer. Boxer? With two X's. Okay, so I watched him on Boxer the other night and he, I thought he was really exciting. Got a massive fan base. I mean, literally, I opened up my DMs the other day and that was just Albanian flags everywhere. You know, so I love it. I love it. And he's really exciting to watch. So I'm going to do something with Florian Marku. Now, he's calling and calling for the Conor Ben fight. And to be honest with you, Conor Ben makes a monumental step up on Saturday night against Formella. Can't wait for this fight. And Florian Marcus got to start fighting some proper opponents. Because, you know, he can fight, but Conor Ben's stepping up. You've got to step up as well. And if you pass those tests, mate, I would love to make Conor Ben against Florian Marcus. Imagine that, the 0-2. Be wild. Right? But... Connor is looking at Formella, Josh Kelly, you know, these kind of fighters. He want, and, and at the moment, Florian, whilst he has the ability, I believe, to be at that level, he's got to pass a few tests, in my opinion. So, and he will. And we'll help him pass them. And then we can make a fight that, you know, the whole of Albania will stop for. But only when that fight is a fight. See, with Connor Ben, I sent him a dozen opponents, right? All with half of the or ranked miles behind Formella. He's so desperate to test himself. And that's why he chose Formella. And it's a 50-50 fight. You know, I think Florian and Sam Jack, please, please don't lose. And he could lose, but he wants to test himself. So that's why he wanted to take the most difficult fight possible. And he's done that. Do you think you might... Uh, put Florin on any of your remaining shows? Yeah, I mean, we've got um, we've got two or three signings that we're about to make. Um, and again, all, all of those would like to get out this year. It's really difficult, really difficult. But the good news is we're going to be going early Jan, Feb, I mean, non-stop. So, you know, if you miss out in December, you're going to be fighting three weeks later. So it's not the end of the world. But obviously, naturally, everyone wants to get out before Christmas. Even Scott though Christmas don't really exist. Scott Fitzgerald, Eddie. I know you've got, got to go. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald, back in the gym, which is obviously positive yeah, news. Fantastic news. He's he's nearly ready now to fight. He, it's unlikely he'll make December, but he'll box in January. And then I want to uh, get him straight out against Fowler. You know, that's the fight. Unfortunately, he was waiting on a few things and had to vacate the British title. So it's JJ Metcalf against Ted Cheeseman, which is another good fight. Um, so uh, Fitz will box a 10-rounder and then he'll box Anthony Fowler. Um, 
yeah, so that's that's the main thing. It's good to see him back. Update on Luke Campbell and Garcia? Just waiting on a date. Campbell's back in the gym. Obviously, he had his isolation period. Had a few days where he wasn't well, and it sort of took him out of action for two weeks, but back in the gym and awaiting a date. What's happening with Liam Smith, Ed? Nothing. Um, was looking to try and get him out in December. There's no real fights for him there at 54. Uh, looking to box him early next year. For me, I love the Jesse Vargas fight. And listen, we'll see what happens with Kel Brook. That's still a fight there, isn't it? Right. Big fight. And just finally, anything on the Callum Smith-Canelo situation? Still talking. Was on the phone again last night. There's still a possibility you could see that fight in December. Listen, as I said, it would be an honour to, to get that fight over the line. Ultimately, the decision is with um, Canelo and Callum Smith. You know, there has been uh, offers made to Callum Smith um, to, to make that fight. We're trying to close the gap and make things happen. Um, got to be right for everybody. It would be a wonderful fight, wonderful way to end the year. And um, we'll keep pushing and hopefully get it over the line. When are you coming here? Thursday morning. Looking forward to it, man. I can't wait for this week. Fabio, Fabio against Lati is a great fight. But fight of the night for me, I mean, Ben Formella is going to be wild, but it's the savage against Tom Little. Tom Little, Tom Little got himself in as well. I actually think this is a 50-50 fight. He really fancies it, doesn't he? But he has told me in every fight he's had that he's going to win. But, you know, Babic is obviously a lot more inexperienced than some of the opposition he's fought. Hergovic, Dubois, all those guys. But I've never seen Tom in this kind of shape before. It's going to be a fun week. By the way, just so you know, we're going to announce shortly. So, as you know, quite often during these weeks, you lose a fight. You know, sometimes it's a championship fight. Sometimes it's just a four or six rounder. So, um, we lost the Hopi Price fight. Um, he had to pull out the fight on uh, yesterday. Nothing COVID related. Just, just wasn't ready to fight. So, I get this situation where one thing I've really been enjoying about the lockdown and fight camp is just giving people opportunities, right? So we phone round all the matchmakers and we basically say, who wants a tear up, right? Who wants an opportunity to go on TV and make a name for yourself and have a tear up? So we have made Zach Ridings against Jez Smith, right? It is an absolute storm, right? Riding's undefeated. Jed Smith, you know, he's obviously had his losses, but he's always up for a tear-up, always in great fights. Riding's is a great character. Uh, he's with Kieran Farrow up there. You know, good fighter. Yeah. So I just, I love these kind of opportunities that are just springing up. On So I'm saying to fighters, be ready. Stay ready. And I'm not just talking about my fighters. I'm talking about anyone out there be ready because you've seen it. You know, we've got an English bantamweight fight on the card that's popped up. We've got ridings against um, uh, Jess Smith, you know, and then of course you've got the big heavyweight fights and then Ben Formella. But stay ready. Massive opportunities ahead. So you've got five fights on this week? Yes. Okay. No Facebook fight this week. <coughs> so we go straight off at seven. We go with English bantamweight title fight. We go with ridings against Jess Smith. We go with Babich against Little. We go with Fabio Wardley against Larty and then Ben against Formella. Okay. And just a quick thank you to everyone that tuned in for the Katie Taylor show. We've got a release going out. Over 2 million people have watched that. So Across all the platforms. Yeah, and massive ratings on the night as well. So that's a big, big success. And have you got a book out? 
Have I, have I got that right? Or? Uh, yeah, again, like, you know, I'm not going to talk about it anymore because I'll be honest with you, um, yeah, a lot of people are saying the success has gone to my head. I mean, when I wrote the book, it wasn't about becoming a Sunday Times number one bestseller. You know, it wasn't about selling tens of thousands of copies and being constantly in a top rated in all of its sections on Amazon. It wasn't about that for me. It was about freedom of speech. It was about expressing myself. It was about becoming a lit a literary, a lit oh, I can't even say it. Oh my God. You know, no, seriously though. I, oh, so no, it's just got out of control now. You know, it's like, I just wanted to spread my wings and fly. You know, I, I and I didn't think that it would come with such heavy responsibility. You know, as, as an author, you know, I mean, I am a boxing promoter and now I'm an established author and, and, the, and the drama and the responsibility and the stress that comes with being a top selling author is not what I anticipated. So I'm going to stop pushing the book now, right? Yes, it's number one in all its categories. Yes, it's tremendous value for money. Yes, it may be the greatest book you've ever read, but I'm just not going to push it anymore. Wow. Wow. Eddie Hunt. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to be number one for Christmas, right? Give someone else a chance. Give someone else a great. There's a lot of people that do this for a living. There's a lot of people that are out there writing books, checking the charts every day. How did we get on? How many did we sell? I'm not checking, but every time someone looks at it, I'm number one. Right? And that comes with responsibility. You know, I wasn't put here for this. Eddie Hearn, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. We will see you on Thursday. Tune in Sky Sports and Zone this weekend. Look forward to it. See you then. Thank you. Is your debt causing you sleepless nights? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. And your debt won't be the only thing keeping you up at night. Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt. <laughs>